0: welcome to season five episode one of maggie stories because that's just how it goes um it is currently twelve twenty-two on june 5th 2002 2022 um i have just spent the last three hours writing, and finishing a story that I made. And I'm going to read it now because it deserves to be heard. I've always known I wasn't destined for this world. The lack of interest for new technology and modernization, the hatred for corrupt leadership, the ignorance to those who needed support the most, Everywhere I went, I saw a world crumbling, and there was nothing I could do, even if I still gave acts of kindness and loyalty to those around me. Loyalty and trust, however, were things I did not take lightly. I'd been betrayed, manipulated, and deserted by the people I thought I knew. My walls were heavy, well-structured, and there were only a few who possessed the key to its door. But, even those few soon dwindled to nothing. I was roughly around the age of 30, a well-mannered, hard-working, intimidating woman. By my bravery and determination, I had achieved proficiency in Chinese and Spanish. I was a steel-hearted young intelligence officer in the United States Air Force. From a young age, I thought that the military would help satisfy my need for knowledge, and my desire to be a spy, but instead, I focused on serving my country and saving those who couldn't, the burning ache to rid the world of corruption festering inside of me. I was also fueled by my loyalty and belief in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God himself. There was no one else I trusted with my secrets. They were the only ones I could take for granted. Then, disaster struck. The base I was stationed at was ambushed by Russians, who had infiltrated the area. There had been a corrupt alliance between the powerful nations of Russia and China, the country I was serving in, ripping apart the trust that had been, had over ten years of work embedded into it. I was separated from my soldiers in the storm of gunfire and explosions, but I still fought to defend others. When the dust settled, after hours of fighting, my entire unit and others had been burned to ash. The remaining troops and officers and I began to scavenge for supplies and survey the damage. By the remaining sergeant's command, we We entered into the jungle to execute revenge. The consequences to our mission were no short of horror. As soon as our quaint battalion set off, the entirety of the base exploded into smithereens as a minefield of booby traps was triggered just outside the base everything was gone. Our unit sent a signal to report our havoc situation, but with the mess of rebels resisting against our involvement, our rescue chopper could take days, maybe even weeks. We continued our mission, although traveling deeper into the jungle to to execute an impossible mission was suicide, but we pursued. There were about 30 of us, plus myself and two other officers. Each of us commanded 10 soldiers. Femininity was scarce in our trope. Only 11 women, myself included, and 19 men. But I was still referred to as sir, or my military rank. I considered myself a man, just as my fellow soldiers around me. The women kept their feminine attributes, and a small part of me was glad for it. It kept the rest of us sane. Our journey into the jungle lasted 17 days until we approached one of the main camps of the Chinese-Russian enemy camps. Myself and a Russian translator sent word to our other bases of the new plans for the enemy base. Then we interfered. It was around 0300 when we used the old Molotov method to light buildings and vehicles on fire it had been james's ae2 airman's idea if if we wanted to take them by surprise then we'd have to use old strategies to make up for the, our lack of soldiers we after told james that he watched he's watched too many movies and he responded with well how the hell else am i supposed to keep myself occupied staff sergeant My rank is E-5 Staff Sergeant because of my experience and skill level. The rest of us laughed, and it felt good to lighten our heavy hearts. Our light was short-lived. An explosion separated me from my unit once again, and I had fought my way through a pounding headache and ringing in my ear, disoriented. But, as I unleashed myself upon the camp, They all escaped into the jungle, leaving me to find the remains of my friends scattered before me. I sent out a signal from our communicator, but I knew it was no use. I was all alone out here. So, I turned on my survival instincts and left my humanity behind. A vehicle had been miraculously preserved by the camp, and I packed up my friends and other supplies and drove to the nearest base, which was almost 800 miles away in Beijing, China. It took merely a day, but I wasn't faced. I felt empty inside. The base took the bodies as soon as I pulled in. I personally put their letters into each coffin. I kept their dog tags. I was awarded a medal for my bravery, but I felt nothing, was nothing. I took medical leave to go home. My mind wasn't in the right place couldn't sleep and I kept seeing the explosions that killed my unit and military family. At home I felt out of place. I didn't fit in. I felt like an outcast. This went on about a year. The war had finally been over. I decided to move to a small mountainous valley village in China. it I felt right at home in the Asian country and it was time to settle in it. I said goodbye to my family and set off. My hut had no electricity and a clean stream for water. My life was now to be dedicated to monkhood, where I could focus on God and escape from the world. I worked in the village and mountain, mining for coal, farming in the fields, herding livestock, and helping out with the women and children. The only contact from the outside world was the mail post, a tiny hut at the edge of the village that set off mail, in a train car three miles outside the territory. I sent letters to my family the first of every month. Once every three months, I'd received a letter back. I sent photographs from an old camera the village had offered me. It only snapped in black and white. These were added to the letters along with the description of the scenery. I also advised them not to visit. Although they missed me terribly, they respected my wishes. Other than working, I would write. Pages upon pages were bundled together. Everything that had been festering in my mind was finally coming out. I'd always deep down knew that I was to be a writer someday. Now I had the time to do that. Love never interested me. Although the village had many fine specimens, I wasn't interested. I had God and God alone. All I wanted was to work, live, pray, and write. The way I lived was similar to those at the village. I began to wear their garments as well. It was an ancestral tribal village, and they accepted me as one of their own. My Chinese was exceptional. I even developed hints of their tongue, and it warmed my heart that I was connecting with these people. They became my family, but I still missed my real family. Two years passed, and I was almost the ripe age of 32. I'd received word that my mother was sick, so I packed up a small bag of my American clothes and left for the States. I stayed with my father to keep him company. My presence was as if I was a spirit of the dead. Many were not informed that I'd survived the war. My mother had been diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer. She died three weeks later. My father had fainted from a heart attack and was soon to follow. i never felt so much pain as when I'd lost my second family. I stayed in the States for nearly three months before departing again. My brothers were all successful with well-paying jobs, a spouse, and kids. I was happy for them. I was not used to the commercial living of the modern world, However, I missed my home in China, and even re- returning as the eldest sibling to partake in both funerals, I wasn't needed anymore. I did inherit over a million in will investments, in which I put into the bank for safekeeping. Then, after saying goodbye, I departed. Back into my village, I felt right at home, visiting everyone. After all, it was Chinese New Year and the village insisted that I stay with one of them. I was filled with joy when celebrating, yet in the back of my mind it still felt like something was missing. By candlelight, I was reminded by scripture about the sacred bonds between a man and a woman. I wasn't interested in any man, for I had the Lord, but a humanly bond of love was what I was missing. A long time ago, I had a first love, but things didn't work out between us. I decided to make do with the quaint life God had blessed me with and await the future that was planned. Five years passed by smoothly. I had had shaved my head to rid myself of pesky locks, and I had gotten stronger and healthier even as I aged. My bond with the Lord was intensely strong. He had led me down a long-lasting path, and I was forever grateful. I was now thirty-seven, but the dawning of forty didn't scare me. I embraced my longevity with open arms. I'd kept with my letters, even as fewer received them, but I had received the scarce few back. My second-youngest brother informed me, that it was as if my family had forgotten me, and it was only a trick of the mind to pretend that I'd died in the war. But he said his family and him prayed for me every day. and That was a legend in their household. Connections in the village had grown to other tribes, creating a bountiful trade post, r- trade route base in our village. More and more travelers came to see our village, very few tourists, and more tribal visitors. I was bestowed a great tribal gift, a back tattoo of angel wings arching over my shoulder blades. They all seemed to marvel at my physique, though I reminded them countless times of their individual beauty that God had made them to be. I'd grown accustomed accustomed to speaking my only Chinese. I still mastered my English and Spanish in writing and in prayer god was merciful to not allowing me to forget my three languages i never looked for love but i was constantly reminded of it lovers on doorsteps wives and husbands smiling at their children young boys and girls marveling at me as i passed them and blushing when i smiled but i wasn't ungrateful no i thrived in the love of others and asked god to bless them as i passed In the dry season, I would camp out in the lush fields and fall asleep to the blanket of stars. Many teenagers and young adults would join me. Young men and boys attempted their shot with me, as well as shy young girls and women. But I sat them all down in a circle and told wild stories of faraway lands and Bible scriptures of giants and lions. The village recognized my talent in storytelling and asked if I had made it a tradition to speak of these wild tales on special holidays and celebrations. My insomnia and nightmares had vanished completely. I'd been living there for the same span of time that i had served in the forces. It was about 14 years ago that I thought I had my life together. Little did I know what plans God had in store for me. My books had taken the world by storm outside of our village. i had sent my English manuscripts to my second brother, who then pushed it to a publisher. Profits were skyrocketing and I was unaware of it until a letter came in the mail. It was from the New York Times. My books were being sold globally and everyone wanted to know who the mysterious author was. I only sent back my pen name and nothing more. My brother had made sure to keep my life and whereabouts private. I continued to send out manuscripts in English, Spanish, and Chinese. I'd become a global sensation. Who was I? Where do these manuscripts keep coming from? In the village, I had gathered many names that labeled me. Longrin or which meant wandering samurai, or a wandering samurai with no lord or master. Baohoshi, protector. Tianxi, angel. Si, mercy. And Mi mystery or mysterious. Mi was used more than not, as was Run. No one knew my real name, so they named me Shu, or New Moon, because I came to the village as a dark, soulless spirit, and over time I grew to be a beautiful full one. Over the years, I had fashioned my hut into a home in the mountain, carving out the rock and earth with help from friends. It was a mile outside the main village, but not alone from the workers who went out by morning to farm and mine. The abode was large enough to accommodate for my washroom, bedroom, small kitchen, and study. There were contraptions for the windows built into the ceiling, and a gutter system that collected and stored rainwater into tubs. I made a small chimney and a storage band for my food. Because the abode was built into the cliffside, I was safe from the monsoon flooding. I always ate enough to fill, never to satisfy. I stayed well hydrated, and because of my health, I rarely got sick. But when I did, the village was quick to serve me. It was the late morning of my 39th year. I was working in the rice plains, as usual, dependent on that season's work. Knee-deep in water, I felt the whisper of a hand on my shoulder. Something inside of me began to spark as I straightened up from my position and looked up towards the horizon. A shiver ran down my spine as I saw the sacred fox spirit erupt into the sky. Gathering up my bushel of rice, I made my way back to the village to trade in my bundle bushels of rice. In the marketplace, I grew silent, aware of the whispers around me. I caught snippets of, 我生日。or stranger, and Hua Xin, Xian, or fairy fox and fox spirit. I asked, Hu Xin li, where is the fox spirit? A little child approached me. She said, Ta Wei Yu, Chun Shung, the Zhong Xin. It's in the center of the village. So, I went to investigate, a small crowd following behind me. At the center of the village stood a woman, her hair, her back to me, but highlights of fox hues in her hair. She wore pumpkin and cinnamon-colored clothing. Then she turned around. Time stood still as I stared into the eyes of my long, one, lost love. Her eyes were tired and threadbare, but shone with warmth, love, and hope. We made that promise 20 years ago. Do you remember? Her voice was rough from age and a loneliness that echoed through her soul. It took me a moment to remember how to speak. I do. My heart had become a tattoo on my chest. And do you still love me as I do? Tears began to fall from our eyes. I stepped closer and held her shaking hands since the moment I met you. I shakily held her face in my hands, then I pulled her into a slow, heart-burning kiss that erupted the cheers and calls from the village that, that the samurai had finally found her lost love, the fox spirit. We were wed the eve of Lunar New Year, four months after we'd settled in, I'd gotten word that my success and fame had been documented, as the world was forever puzzled about the author of the most successfully sold books in history. My net worth, finances, and wealth handled by my second brother totaled at $760 million over the course of ten-plus years. My love and I traveled the globe until we'd seen it all. Countless more manuscripts were published, and I finally took responsibility at the age of 46. We spent time with our families for a year before retiring back to our bungalow that had been renovated by the village as a welcome home gift. Our village remained unknown to the outside world. Our love continued for 20 more years until she died in my 67th year, and I scattered her ashes as promised in the middle of the South China Sea. The samurai died happy in her 102nd year in the village she'd come to 70 years before. The village and other tribes revealed to the public of the beloved author's whereabouts or befamed author's whereabouts and a museum and a monument in in honor of her is stationed in Beijing. Her ashes joined her loves at the bottom of the sea.